0: 8.36am, you are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Keith Kam. We are turning our attention to the big announcement made by EPF, the Employee Providence Fund, yesterday. Uh, the country's largest pension fund declared a 5.5% dividend for its conventional savings, higher than the 5.35% announced in 2022. Meanwhile, for Sharia savings, the dividend rate stood at 5.4%.
1: Gross investment income last year came in at $67.4 ringgit versus 55 billion the previous year equities continue to be a major contributor to investment income at 59% or 39 billion ringgit although it is only 42% of EPF's total assets under management and interestingly more than 80% of last year's investment allocation was deployed into the domestic market
2: Meanwhile, we look at EPF's participation in Bursa Malaysia in terms of value traded, it was 23% for the FMB FBM hundred stocks and thirty-one percent for the FBM KLCI stocks. So how should we interpret EPF's dividend performance for 2023? And is there a case to be in favor of the domestic market for this 1.14 trillion ringgit fund?
0: For some reactions on this, we have on the line with us Ong Zuhan, CEO and founder of Tradeview Capital. Zuhan, good morning. Thanks for joining us. So, EPF declared dividends of 5.5% for conventional savings, 5.4% for Sharia savings. Were you expecting better returns? And what do you think explains this year's performance?
3: Good morning, Shazana. Thanks for having me on the show. Um uh, personally it's in line with our internal forecast which is around 5.6 to 5.7% so it came in marginally slightly below our expectations um but the dividend declared by EPF for conventional and sharia both 5.5 5.4 is higher than the dividend paid out in 2022 In fact, it is back to higher than pre-COVID level of 2019, when it was only 5.45 and 5, respectively. Of course, uh, a lot of people are a bit disappointed because there was a lot of hype leading up to this dividend declaration this year, including in the media, for not reaching 6%. But realistically, based on the equities market performance in 2023, It wasn't until the end of last two months when we started seeing the pickup in pace in global index benchmark. Hence, in my view, the EPF performance is still commendable, especially for the Sharia account, which jumped from 4.75% to 5.4%, a good 65 basis points.
1: So Han, could you just maybe give us some colour of why that uh, huge jump in the Sharia dividend, uh, why that huge jump occurred? Okay,
3: a large part is because of the good performance in the tech sector, where we have seen the US tech sector rally. And for the Sharia account, uh, predominantly because they cannot invest in a lot of financial and a lot of uh, asset class, uh, sorry, equities that are not allowed under the Sharia composition. So, a quite large percentage was allocated towards these tech stocks. So when the tech stocks rallied, right, and they rallied, especially the Magnificent Seven, with that kind of a um, quantum, naturally it translated to the very good performance for the Sharia uh, portfolio.
2: Now, looking at the portfolio specifically, there isn't much change in terms of the strategic asset allocation. 46% is equities, 46% to fixed income. Uh, Do you think this is the right balance and explains why the performance was what it
3: is? Well, for EPF, um, they adopt the strategic asset allocation method to preserve value for EPF members. It is actually a diversified approach across all uh, asset class to reduce risk and optimize returns. Breaking it down, you can see that equities, while not the largest percentage, it contribute the highest ROI, accounting for 58% of the total investment income with 8.68%. Fixed income, which is the anchor of our Uh, EPF, predominantly Malaysian government securities, your MGS, contributed about 30% of EPF total investment income, giving ROI 4.41%. The other three would be your private equity investment with an ROI of 9.69% and real estate, which is 5.04% and last money market 4.93%. I think overall, all did very well. All in all, because it's a growth from 2022. And even then, Um, If you look at the whole structure of it, it's very clear that these are liquid assets. Majority is liquid assets to allow it uh, in the case of withdrawal needs of our members. So I think the structure is actually justifiable.
1: Uh, sorry, Zohan, if we could just go back to the, uh, the difference between the conventional and Sharia. The, yeah. the, 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 the difference is now 0.1% and used to be 0.6%, 0.7%. Is it realistic uh. to eventually expect uh, the convergence to, to actually happen, that, that they would be on par in, in going into the future?
3: realistically, it shouldn't be that close because you put put it from a different perspective. If you look at the convention, you have a larger stock universe or larger amount, uh, different kind of assets that you can invest in. So naturally, by right, you should have uh, higher uh, returns. But it just so happened this year was an anomaly in the sense that Sharia stock, uh, Sharia component of it is largely concentrated towards the tech stocks, which benefited from the run-up uh in in the last two months of 2023 but so this is actually good news for our members who subscribe to the sharia account because traditionally they always felt uh, i was lagging a bit compared to the conventional account so at least this is an option for those who are very uh advocating sharia compliance in line with their own uh, belief and religion value religious value yeah
0: Uh, Zuhan, EPF remains the largest investor in the domestic market, and the Prime Minister has expressed hope for EPF to increase local investment. We know you're a big bull on the FBM KLCI, but is it a good idea for EPF to focus on a domestic portfolio?
3: If you look at it from the overall perspective, 62% is invested domestically as of end of 2023 already. Meanwhile, global assets generated $35.3 billion in the same period. This means that returns from abroad is actually higher than domestic returns despite a smaller allocation uh, of investment funds to overseas market. However, while foreign markets did provide better returns, we must understand the risk is also higher, not mentioning the volatility. This means that if EPF were to benefit from bull market abroad, like the past few months, it will naturally, uh, they have to take cognizance of the risk in the event of a global downturn or a sudden change in momentum. But locally Malaysia, our domestic market is lower beta, heavily dependent on glicks. So there is some level of defensive element. In all, it all depends on the mandate of EPF. I believe that preserving wealth rather than chasing returns is the primary objective of EPF to safeguard the Rakyat's uh, nest egg. So there is n- it's not too bad to focus domestically, except there must be a threshold that we should maintain.
2: Okay, so Juhan, are you concerned though that we will actually crowd out the domestic market?
3: I think this is a valid question because um, Glick overly dominates our local market. It also not too healthy for our capital markets growth. It means that the money in our capital markets largely rely on local funding within the ecosystem. Uh, truly healthy capital markets have a good balance between local funds foreign funds, retail investors, 40-30-30 uh, is the ideal balance. But the, the fact of the matter is after 1997 Asia financial crisis, we have witnessed Malaysia's weightage in MSCI emerging market dip from 10% to 2%. Uh, well, past few months, we have improved a bit, bringing up uh, the capital markets uh, a little, but we have to understand that this has, has a lot to do with the quality of companies that get listed on Bursa. So in my view, the best way for our local funds or leagues to contribute to our capital markets is to participate in probably corporate venturing initiatives to spur the SMEs in our country.
1: So Huan, over the last decade, the highest dividend rate was 6.9% in 2017. And I can even remember once when it used to be above 8%. Uh, Maybe you can help us understand, you know, that kind of stellar return. And can we expect something like that to happen ever again? Sure, Keith.
3: I think uh, there were a few factors back then, right? One of it, which was uh, BUSA was trading at a positive level, 1,700 to 1,800 range, and it was on the way to its peak level. Second, at that point in time, the government was embarking on expansionary fiscal policy. There were many rollouts of various infrastructure projects, which are very huge. Also, at that point in time, the global markets was doing quite well under the low interest rate environment, where US, China, Hong Kong stock markets was rallying from S P 500 was 2,400 points to 2,500 at that point, Uh, Hong Kong index was about 26,000 to 30,000. So there was a largely broad-based rally across all markets, Europe, Asia and all, but unlike today, but it's concentrated largely to US. So my view is that we can get there again. In fact, I'm looking at uh, quite a positive outlook for 2024.
0: So Han, following the dividend announcement yesterday, there have been uh, some who expressed disappointment and opine that it's better to invest elsewhere with um, their own effort. Do you think that this is? What do you think of that? I suppose. And what's the case for putting money into EPF?
3: I think uh, one thing to invest in yourself is a very uh, good endeavour for long term financial uh, literacy in terms of uh, managing your own money. I think that is something that everyone should pick up on, uh, but it should always be done with excess cash. But coming back to those who actually have no inkling or idea of how to invest your money, I think EPF remains the safest bet because of the track record. We, we must know that for the past decade, uh, EPF has delivered an annual returns of 6% per annum. This is highly consistent, beating ASB, Tabung haji, and any other forms of saving and pension scheme domestically and globally. But the logic is simple, right? Investment returns goes hand in hand with time horizon a longer time frame allows better investment returns simply because of the compounding effect and the passage of time will naturally iron out the gyrations of the market and normalize economic cycles. So it's the same if you invest yourself as well, unless you hold it long-term. But for the EPF, Clause 27 guarantees a 2.5% return per annum for the conventional account, which means that the government guarantees your downside risk. No matter good time or bad time, they have to pay you 2.5%. So I think EPF is still very safe.
2: Zuhan, in the minute or so that we have left, what do you say to those who think that EPF is a Ponzi scheme?
3: I think uh, the fact of the matter is that if you look at their track record over, since, if I'm not mistaken, 1950s or 1960s when it was incorporated, it cannot be considered an, uh, a Ponzi scheme because there was massive withdrawals every year uh, in addition to contribution. Let's just take the two years of 2021 or, or 2020 when, when and um, 2022 when there was almost close to 140 billion withdrawal. If EPF was indeed a a, a Ponzi scheme. During the massive sudden withdrawal allowing the conventional account, which was the sacred account that we cannot withdraw, the entire EPF would have collapsed, Mm. isn't it? Mm. But it didn't. So it shows that that it's a very prudently um, well-managed pension fund with sufficient amount of investment allocated to liquid assets, allowing and catering to members' withdrawals, at the same time generating a uh, moderate risk uh, for equities portfolio and anchored by your fixed income investments. So all in all, it's a very well managed pension fund, and I think that concern is not uh, within something that we should we should th- think about at an- any time in the future.
0: Suhan, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Ung Suhan, CEO and founder of Trade View Capital, giving us his reactions to the dividends announced by EPF for 2023 uh, and looking ahead as well in terms of how EPF will uh, could manage their allocations. Uh, Managing a
2: 1.14 trillion ringgit fund is no joke it's a really challenging task especially since there are constant withdrawals and there are also constant uh, movements in and out of the funds and of course looking at how volatile global markets are but at the end of the day if you don't know what to do with your money and you don't think you're very good in your investing EPF is still a very good option.
0: All right, 8.49 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, but we'll come back to go through the checklist for taxpayers as the income tax filing season begins. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM
3: 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.